There are certain weeks in our Sunday lectionary where it can be difficult to make the connection between the readings, where the Old Testament lesson and the Gospel passage don't appear to be connected in any way. Today, however, our readings are intricately interwoven. And I urge you to go back, not right now, (laughs) but maybe a little later today, and read them again, and take note of how beautifully they build on each other despite the huge expanse of time and human experience that separates their writing. Both our passage from Isaiah and our Gospel reading mark beginnings. This 40th chapter of Isaiah is what we have come to think of as the first chapter of the second book of Isaiah, written centuries apart from the first part of the book. Second Isaiah has a completely different tone and focus. First Isaiah concerns Assyria's attack on Israel as a result of God's judgment. The message of second Isaiah is good news about God's comfort and a promise of redemption for a nation that has lived in exile for 150 years and will now be returning home. This passage transitions from comfort to a call for preparation. A voice in the wilderness calls to make a highway for the Lord, symbolizing the need for spiritual readiness. The imagery speaks to the removal of obstacles and the leveling of uneven ground, emphasizing the transformation that comes when we prepare our hearts for the presence of God. Isaiah calls us, as we anticipate the Lord's coming, to examine our lives and clear away anything hindering our connection with him. He paints a vivid picture of God as shepherd, both powerful and compassionate. The proclamation announces God's imminent presence. The imagery of a shepherd caring for his flock reminds us of the gentle and loving relationship God wants to have with his people. Our psalm echoes this idea of love and forgiveness and how God's salvation is at hand for those who are faithful. And the verses from 2 Peter reiterate the call for repentance, for the need to live lives of holiness and godliness as we wait for that day when there will be new heavens and a new earth. It is our reading from the very beginning of Mark's gospel that links most closely with Isaiah. It too marks a beginning Unlike the Gospels of Luke and Matthew, Mark does not start with an infancy narrative or a long genealogy. Unlike the Gospel of John, um, he he starts where Jesus is an adult. And indeed, Mark is very intentional that this story is the continuation of something started long ago, that it's the fulfillment of a prophecy, that it is a story in which we play a part. Mark makes it clear that if we are going to understand the good news of Jesus, we have to first understand the Jewish roots of the Christian faith. Mark sees a connection between Isaiah's voice in the wilderness and that of John the Baptist. That wilderness that Israel has experienced so many times, the experience of wandering, of a feeling, a sense of abandonment, of needing God and salvation, that is something that Mark's audience is also yearning for. It's something that we are yearning for. Mark wants his listeners to know that John the Baptist is the one being sent as the messenger, that John is going to tell people, John is going to tell us, that now is the time to prepare, 
because Jesus, the Son of God, is coming. There's motion throughout the passage. The words have a certain momentum. There's work to do. Our preparations, however, need to involve an honest look back at ourselves, at our past actions. Because John is performing baptism for the forgiveness of sins, you have to know what your sins are, or at least what some of them are, one would think, if you are going to be forgiven. So in order to be prepared, in order to be ready to meet this Son of God, it will involve some self-reflection. And as we reflect on how we might repent or make our own paths straight, we have to recognize and acknowledge we might not be on a straight path to begin with. It isn't always easy to see the path we are on, for as we go about our daily lives, as we struggle sometimes to just get one foot in front of the other, we can lose sight of the big picture. We get so busy doing things, we forget why we are doing them. They've been working in my neighborhood and on all the surrounding streets to replace our sidewalks. And at first, people were very upset there's going to be all this construction and disruption. The sidewalks seemed perfectly fine to us. We walk on them every day, with no problems at all. Certainly, there must be better ways to spend time and money. But the old sidewalks, they weren't really so fine. Over the years, tree roots had forced the asphalt to shift and buckle. Summer heat has melted the surface in spots. Heavy rain has created potholes. And when you walk on it every day, these defects don't seem so bad. But what happened is that the sidewalks became so uneven that you spend your time staring at your feet, literally watching your step, instead of looking ahead. And some sections have become so treacherous that people chose to walk in the street instead. What made me finally take notice of the condition of our sidewalks was the sunrise. Every morning, I love to start my walk in the dark and enjoy the shifting light as the sun starts to climb. But the paths I was walking on, those sidewalks, they had gotten so rough I was missing the sunrise in order to keep myself from getting tripped up. I was looking down at the ground instead of up at God's creation. I was missing out on opportunities right in front of me. But the path, my path, the one most familiar to me, was not in good enough shape for me to take advantage of all that was on offer. The sidewalk reconstruction has taken more than a year so far. The project is far from complete. It's a big job, and I've noticed that in many of the intersections, they've had to tear out and re-pour the concrete curb several times. Building a new, straight, smooth path, it isn't easy. The narrow and uneven asphalt is being replaced with sidewalks that are wide and smooth, and when you finally get to walk on a new section, it is as if someone has taken away all the obstacles, removed anything that might hinder a person's journey as they walk or jog or push a stroller. You don't have to think about your feet at all, and you are free to look up and out and take in everything around you. Perhaps Advent is a good time to consider those paths that we walk, physically and spiritually, every day. How smooth and straight are they? What opportunities might we be missing as we go through life with our heads down? What chances to help others to reach out are passing us by? What action do we need to take to truly prepare the way of the Lord? 
How can we direct our focus and attention away from that narrow strip of sidewalk that's only a few feet in front of us? Now, the work that we must do to repair or rebuild or reconstruct our path might just need a little refining, maybe some upkeep. Or maybe it's time for a big overhaul. It's up to us to reflect and reconsider, for we are, after all, the only ones who know how truly straight and smooth our own path is. Well, us and God. Because our path is intertwined with his. And as we make our own ways straight and true, we are that much more able to prepare the way for him. When you go back to these passages later today and reflect on Isaiah and Mark, see if you can hear these voices that have cried out for so many centuries. See if you can start a new chapter of this continuing story and make a fresh start and heed the call to repentance, just as the people did in response to John the Baptist. Through the baptism of repentance and the forgiveness of sins, we are invited to experience a transformative encounter with the living God. Let us prepare our hearts and minds for the coming of the Lord, making straight paths for him in our lives.